You're listening to What's the Difference podcast on Anchor FM or anywhere else you find your podcasts. To see the video version of this episode, head to our YouTube page. You'll find the link on our Instagram or our Facebook at What's the Difference podcast. Don't forget to let us know what you think on our social channels. Enjoy the episode. five of what's the difference today we're going to be taking a look at mental health both as a disability and invisible disability in itself and as one that comes along with an invisible physical disability or an invisible any type of disability so we are going to focus on that today now we're going to try to stay away from the topic of COVID-19 because I think by now we're already two months into quarantine and everybody's probably sick and tired of talking about COVID-19 even though that is very much a part of our lives right now and that is having an effect on our mental health I'm going to be honest we're all sitting here in Toronto today we actually had snow it's May 9th if you have seasonal affective disorder it's probably affecting you right now and also contributing to your mental health so just a side note there not a great day in Toronto but uh, we are all here to talk about our own experiences with our own mental health and first I will welcome because I see her on the screen right now Cynthia hello hello and uh Stacy say hi wherever you are hi hi everybody great to be yeah. here I know it's it's for me right now I can't see everybody on the screen but I know that everybody is on the screen it's just that I can't see it and Sam hey, say hi everybody I want to show you need to show off your shirt Sam because it's oh my pretty God. awesome I so funny story I got this on sale at Zara like not even like more than three months ago like I think it was still in 2019 and like when Tiger King came out I was like no I'm not gonna watch like Tiger King like I don't do trash TV literally I've watched like three episodes today in this <laughs> shirt so okay perfect. perfect timing really perfect timing and i think that um probably all of our listeners and, and people who are watching us right now have probably seen it except me i have not seen it i have I not, not seen it, it. <laughs> I've, only, try. I've only seen unorthodox and i'm going to be watching um the michelle obama thing oh so. that sounds good yeah. that sounds good so things for people to keep themselves busy with during this time when it's hard on your mental health but again let's get away from COVID-19 and talk about kind of where our origins all started with our own mental health journeys. So I think I'm going to start with Stacy first, because um, I know that a lot of it correlates to her physical disability that she lives with. So uh, Stacy, take it away. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much as a physical disability because I was born with it. And when you're born with a physical disability, you don't really know what life is like. To, like, for example, I don't know what it's like to be an able-bodied person, right? So um, I think physically, um, it affects more people that are physically disabled later in life due to a car accident or any other illness, like the flu. You can get you can be, be physically disabled due to a flu or any other reasons. For me, that wasn't the case. For me, it was um, a lot of it happened because my my mom suffers from mental illness and, and mental illness runs in the family. I mentioned it before. And after I was involved in a car accident and the physical and emotional things that happened to me afterwards. So, and that's really contributed to my mental health as well before um, I was officially diagnosed with epilepsy. However, um, so I feel that my 
uh, epilepsy happen due to the mental illness, but a lot of uh, statistics show that uh, a lot of people who are diagnosed with epilepsy do have are then do then suffer from a mental illness. And actually, 50% of people who have epilepsy suffer from depression as well. And that's kind of understandable because, I mean, it's it's unpredictable. You don't know when it's going to hit. You're scared. I can't imagine because, I mean, I've lived a very different life than you. So I can't imagine what it's like to have epilepsy. But I can only imagine that the fear of kind of that any time that a seizure could strike and you're like, what the hell do I do? Especially if, you know, it, it comes on as an adult, let's say, or you don't remember because you were so young the last time you yeah. had a seizure. Well, it's not so much as it's seizures also, but a lot of it is because like life is so different. You're like, you have like this whole new normal that you're not used to, right? And also um, a lot of people that like in my case, um, when I got when I got really sick, um, a lot of my friends didn't really understand what I was going through. So they're just like, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, like, it's like, I had a lot of people in my life that made fun of seizures who like would would laugh at it and call it twitching or so to speak. And that really pissed me off. <laughs> like, I can laugh about it now and everything, but it's just, it's not funny. But And also, I think it contributes to how uh, epilepsy was portrayed in uh, in old movies. Now it's not so much, but like I even I remember I recently saw a movie with uh, Meghan Markle, and uh, at the beginning of the movie there was a joke. Well, it wasn't funny, but it was meant to be a joke. Somebody started t- uh, twitching, and somebody said, "Oh, is it diarrhea? Or is it a seizure?" That's very distasteful. I think it really depends on when you're diagnosed. I was diagnosed as a child. So um, that is my normal. And uh, for me, the epilepsy part is all more about not being allowed to do things by yeah. my family. Um, peop- uh, my parents being extra vigilant. I actually, even though I was off medication and completely seizure free when I was in university, I virtually had to beg to study abroad. Yeah, I was lucky that I was able to and they allowed me. And it was one of the best experiences in my life. But um, when I did go, my mom flew to England with me, stayed about a week, came home and um, came back right before the end of the semester to fly back with me. Mm-hmm. So, Cynthia, a question for you. Um, when at times where, for example, where your parents said, no, you're not allowed to do that. I guess they did. I'm sure they, they did a number of times. How did that make you feel? It That was the only time it made me feel abnormal. Like um, I didn't go to sleepaway camp until I was like 16. So going on 17, it was one semester of me, well, one summer, one week of music camp. And I just wanted to go for the experience. Again, it was begging. But I also think part of it is cultural because sleepaway camp is just not done in a lot of immigrant cultures. And it's a sleepaway camp is a very North American thing. It's, but it's also, um, you know, it's also a thing that when you're growing up, when you're a teenager, and I know this impacted me as a teenager, you don't feel like you fit in. And I've had mental health issues my whole life. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not so much, it's almost more about the fact that suddenly, you know, you want to be with, do what your friends want to, what your friends are doing. You want to be part of it. And then, well, you know, your parents will say, no, you can't do this because of this. And for me, it was always, well, uh, I can't have sleep overs because every night uh, after nine o'clock p.m. I'm tube fed. So, um, you know, it, I never got that experience either. Um, but kind of in the end, I think we've all also dealt with being bullied when we were growing up. And I, I think Stacy alluded to it. 
Um, and I've been bullied as well. I haven't heard Sam speak yet, so um, I do want to bring her in because we've all been talking and she hasn't talked yet. Sam! <laughs> um, do you want me to kind of start with my mental health journey, like from yeah, the beginning? Yeah, sure, sure. So I'd say what's really interesting about the blind BI vision loss community is that when people talk about mental health or mental illness, it generally uh, comes with vision loss. So it generally goes in the same conversation as people who lose their vision later on in life due to diabetes or RP or whatever other kind of degenerative uh, conditions that are out there. And I think it's because I, I believe it was you, Cynthia, that talked about the, the life change. It's the they're going through the depression because they're suddenly having to find new ways to do things and adapt to a completely different lifestyle than what they're used to. Uh, and there is, I, I believe it's um, three times more likely you're um, three times more likely to develop depression or other mental illnesses if you are visually impaired or blind. And what's funny is in that conversation, generally, you don't hear people talk about people who are born with vision loss or other you know, types of blindness or other diseases, eye diseases and stuff. And I think that's because it's just sort of there's no adjustment period. But I do think uh, with that side of the community, which is the side of the community that I identify with, I was born with a chromatopsia. I was born not seeing certain things and just sort of grew up that way. I feel like you come across it at some point, whether it's when you're a teenager or an adult or a child or whatever it is. I think you come across it later on in life because you are noticing the effects of starting the race of life, if you will. You're noticing the consequences for maybe not always receiving accommodations in school. It affects what university or like that you do or don't go to. Um, and you start to notice, you know, your friends graduating and getting jobs. You're finding a very, it very hard to find a job or to find an employer that can accommodate you that you are comfortable with and I find that's when the depression or mental illness seeps and in, seeks into your life sneaks into your life I don't know um, <laughs> it does think it does yes. think I know I'm like words I'm finding okay honestly I know we said we weren't gonna bring up COVID but I'm fine <laughs> I'm more and because I'm not actually talking to people when I go to talk now I'm like bad 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 like I just <laughs> It's, it's like I've forgotten how to speak. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway. It, yeah, I was going to yeah. say that, and as a matter of fact, the next episode after this, we're going to be talking about employment and disability. So um, that's something that I'm really, really excited about. But we know we wanted to touch on mental health today because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So uh, we did want to bring awareness about it. And at a time when people are finally starting to talk about it in the general public, again, because of COVID, it's really important to bring that stuff up. So my- and You know what, I realized that um, I recently watched a video about like, on, and it had statistics on mental health. Rec and it was just like a rec very recent video, like maybe probably end of last year, beginning of this year type of thing. It was one in ten. Uh, one in ten individuals uh, suffer from depression or any type of mental illness. Now it's one in five. Yeah. So it's so it's so. I shouldn't say funny. I always say funny, but it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, like how we're just now starting to talk about mental health yeah. now that everybody is pretty much everyone is suffering from it. Yeah. When we didn't even realize just how many people 
suffer from it. But it's all stigmatization, right? Yeah. And I think it's also, it was more because a lot of people don't talk about it. And and you know what? I'm going to bring it back to actually, and again, we said we want to talk about COVID, but it's kind of hard to avoid it, isn't it? Um, Cynthia, and I know we were, we've been talking about this, Cynthia, you and I, is that um, you made a, I know you shared an article from the Toronto Star about uh, mental health awareness and especially during COVID and that you actually, I believe it was the Toronto Star or CBC where you actually got hate from someone who said, well, you know, I I have four people I know died of COVID. And yes, I mean, everybody's kind of on their own journey with this, but that doesn't, I, I guess, Cynthia, what you were trying to say is that that doesn't diminish the need for mental health support. Exactly, exactly. And um, everyone's saying, well, if you have, like, I think one one person to reply to me, um, I don't know if this person is like first generation Canadian or not, the person ha- does not have like a, like a, a quote, like a, an Anglophone or a Western given name or last name. And that person said something along the lines of, well, you have running water, you have food on your table, you have clothes to wear, why don't you, why don't you just like let it go and recognize your privilege and we should all recognize our privilege being in Canada. And this is a very, it's a very stereotypical immigrant or even sometimes first generation um, Canadian born uh, response because uh, depending on what cultural background you're from, uh, they uh, the the issue with mental health is sometimes more stigmatized. Like especially from my culture, uh, they they um, it basically doesn't exist. And uh, Asians often seek help much much later than other cultural groups. I think though uh, as well that with this is that a lot of people are being very judgy um, with COVID and uh, as far as mental health. And I think like Cynthia, you were right on with that. Like it, it doesn't just because you're if even if you're not having it yourself, even if you've never had COVID. It, it doesn't diminish the need for the rest of us to have support. We're all going to come out of this needing a lot of mental health support, whether we had mental health issues before or whether we're getting them as a result of what's happening now. Now, I do want to say, actually, well, before we move on, is that my parents are both recovering from COVID. And um, it has been very, very difficult few weeks for my family. As a matter of fact, we were supposed to record this episode about a week ago. And then my dad actually ran into some heart troubles and he now has a permanent heart condition no thanks to COVID so this is a very serious thing it's a very serious thing um it's no matter how you're experiencing it whether it never touches your family or whether you're in the midst of it it's probably going to leave its effect on you mentally and that's why it's so important now that we really get this conversation going like we are today um that we make people aware of it Uh, again like I said you could be perfectly safe have food on the table have running water and all that it doesn't mean that you're not going to be impacted by it mentally and so or mental, mental health in any in whether it, you there is covid or not uh yeah. like in some cultures they actually think it's a middle class invention depression well i don't know because in my situation i find that being in a self-isolation it made my epilepsy condition worse my epilepsy worsened i have more uh seizures i have more serious seizures i have uh i experienced a tonic clonic uh seizure at the end of april which i never did before and so and therefore my mental health is also at stake so it's not it's like you don't firstly there's the situation there's the case where people don't understand that it's COVID 
COVID is not just a flu. Everybody is at stake of getting sick if you don't take social isolation uh, seriously. But also, people's health are at risk more due to social isolation. So please be respectful. Yeah, and and it, it is a hard time. I mean, it's it's hard again enough if you've already dealt with issues like this. I'm gonna talk a little bit about my my own journey because mine is a little bit different than everybody else here. With my mental health journey has been uh, first of all, my mom has always suffered from anxiety, so it was kind of passed down to me, and I knew kind of knew it was I was gonna get it. Um, at ten at ten years old, I started having panic attacks in restaurants because I was underweight. I was ten and I was forty two pounds or something ridiculous like that. So I used to think that because I wasn't strong and because I was so skinny and because everybody already thought I was five years old when I was 10, I'm like, I have to eat more. So I would force myself to eat to the point where I threw up. And that caused uh, me to start having panic attacks in restaurants that I was going to throw up because I was actually terrified of throwing up. But I was also thinking I have to eat more because I have to grow. Um, so it kind of ballooned out from there. And then uh, when I was 11, and that's when I had the tube put in my stomach to actually give me the extra nutrients overnight to help me grow uh, while I was sleeping. Uh, I happened to see some commercial on TV and it really, really frightened me for no reason whatsoever. If anybody else saw it now, they go, why were you scared of this? I'm not even going to describe it. That image has stayed with me for 25 years and I would have severe OCD attacks. Uh, I would go through cycles where I would see this image from this commercial that frightened me and it would go over and over and over in my head until I would break down and cry. And it again, it was not an image that was would be disturbing to anybody else probably, but I latched onto it at that time because that's probably because of what was medically happening to me at that time. And from there, I started having more anxiety about everything in life, severe anxiety. Um, I was, I've seen probably about 15 to 20 psychiatrists psychotherapists, psychologists, counselors. Uh, I can't even, I lost count. Um, and I've been to numerous meditation, mindfulness classes. Um, my struggle has continued my whole life. And what has really hit me as an adult, so uh, the the that image, which still is in my head to this day, doesn't bother me that much anymore. But what has hit me as an adult is uh, a couple of interesting things. A fear of alarms. So uh, for example, fire alarms completely set off my anxiety. Uh, this is probably due to, and this is through all the psychology I've been through, it's probably due to me being in ICU so much in the intensive care unit and hearing alarms going off in the hospital, code blue, my IV pole beeping, like all that kind of stuff, is that psychologists and psychiatrists have surmised that that's why I have this really weird fear of alarms. But the other thing that I've been dealing with, other than, you know, my chronic anxiety about am I doing good enough at work? Uh, do, do my friends still love me? Like, uh, did I hurt someone? Did I say something that was possibly be uh, considered racist or homophobic or anything like that? My other big thing is uh, a fear of seeing buildings being torn down. And this is something that has kind of everybody's been stumped on this one. I, I'm getting a lot better. I admit I'm getting a lot better because I live in downtown Toronto. I can't avoid it. But this was something in my early 30s that literally crippled me was uh, watching two buildings out my window being torn down um, and seeing the destruction every day. It, it felt like it was hurting me as a person. And I think it's because I put, I think of a building as a person and I see it being destroyed. And so that hurts me, which is weird. But as it turns out, I now actually live directly across the street from the two buildings that were being torn down that I obsessed over for, for five, for, for five months. So 
with that, that was a really long story, but that's kind of where my mental health issues come from. They're kind of all come out of my hospital experiences. So I know um, for some of you as well, I know for the three of you, you might've experienced it through school, uh, but um, I, I do want to hear what the rest of you have to say. I feel like I experienced a lot of mine through school, but I feel like it was in a different way. Like when I think of, I don't want to say scarring experiences, but when I think of negative experiences from my childhood, as far as school goes, I don't go directly to bullying and like mean things that other kids said to me. To me, that was like, so I was the kind of kid, well, and I'm still the kind of person that would rather, I would rather be alone than be around people who I didn't agree with or people who I felt like were mean or weren't really my friends or maybe that I just, I didn't have the same interests in. Like if I didn't want to play house, I wasn't going to go and play house just to have somebody to be with. I was perfectly content hanging out in the corner in the mud with a stick. Like that was fine. You so, sound like me. Think, huh? You sound a lot like me. I mean, like I was <laughs> country music when I was in high school for like a few years. That's like not normal for an Asian girl in Toronto. It's just not normal. So yeah. But yeah, I think for me, it was uh, where I found my challenges were, were communicating with teachers. Like when you're seven or nine and you're trying to explain to a 30 something teacher or 40 year old why you don't look blind and what you need and why the resources that are available to you don't work for you and what you would actually need and then coming up with alternative alternative ways to learn for yourself and then having those ideas rejected like I remember in grade 10 making a suggestion and the teacher was just like no we can't do that and I remember thinking it was the most simple the most like I, I wasn't asking for like for any kind of advantage there was no like easy so like I was going to be able to cheat on a test or something it was just a simple assignment that we would have to continuously do so I think for me it was always, you know, it, if you don't achieve, it's your fault. If you don't understand something, it's your fault. And I think I buried a lot of um, anger when I was a kid. And I think I buried a lot of frustration as and as an adult later on in life, I saw that come out in other ways that I didn't expect. I find I'm so quick to just glaze over my feelings and I hang on to them. And then sometimes they come out when I don't receive the same, I don't want to say the same, well, yeah, the same treatment back. I, I almost lash out because I'm I'm so quick to just have to adjust to other people. Like when you're disabled, you are, you know, society tells you like, you know, make it easier. Like the only way you're going to get a job is if you advocate for yourself. And then guess what? When you go into the real world and try and get a job, they don't even want to hear it. They don't even want to know what the accommodation is because they automatically assume that it's an inconvenience to them. So I think with my mental health, it really developed later at like the end of college almost. I think when I sort of started noticing some depression and how just things were very easily turned negative like it was just very very hard to face for me I'm gonna be yeah. honest that mine was actually the worst probably in my teens so probably actually from junior high to the end of high school or the first year of university was when my mental health was the absolute worst when I was actually experiencing I don't know if it's actually depression what it was because I've never I don't know what true depression feels like I haven't actually had that but it was definitely close um, and I think mine was because I didn't have a lot of friends uh, people saw me as really strange and really weird and that I was also you're spoiled. An extrovert. Yeah, uh, that that does kind of sometimes annoy people. Uh, I, will admit that. <laughs> I will admit that I'm a big extrovert, as you can tell. But I think it was also um, that I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't, no guy wanted anything to do with me. All the guys I had crushes on didn't even look at me. Um, so I felt I, like I was a total I loser. The opposite. I was so shy. Uh, that I, wouldn't, I felt I wouldn't that I was being looked that. at too much. 
have, I would have loved to have switched with you then because I was like, no guy will ever look at me. I'm never going to find a boyfriend. Crying, crying, crying. That seems to be how puberty goes. Like I had a friend in elementary school and she had moved to our school. I think she had foster parents. She wasn't there for very long. She came sort of, I think halfway through grade seven and then stayed for part of grade eight. And I remember her always wearing a winter jacket and it was like one of those bomber jackets. She always had it zipped up and she had this thing, like if teachers asked her to take it off, she would like give them attitude, like lash out, like start giving them sass and swearing. And at the time it never occurred to me. And it's probably because I was and still am like fairly flat chested. Like I wasn't, I was like more like you, Jackie, like guys didn't really give me much of a second glance or even noticed I was there. And I think looking back at it later on, because she was bigger chested, I almost wonder if that was a way of her hiding her body. Cause I find it, it when I talk to like other friends of mine, when they talk about puberty or their teen years, it's either you felt like you were completely ignored and not even looked at, or you were just ogled and objectified and like stared at and your body was just this spectacle that was always on display. That's definitely things that can lead to poor mental health. Um, obviously, what do you think for all of you kind of, what has been ways that you cope? Uh, for me, it's cutting a lot of people out of my life. That has been, you guys talk about bullying at school. For me, that was normal. I experienced bullying since I was in kindergarten to grade seven in in Israel because again like I talked about it in previous episodes that was the, the norm in Israel if you're different than what normal is you're fucked for me, I experienced more bullying as an adult and that I experienced that with a lot of my friends. The thing is, people don't understand is that seizures affects memories. Part of the memories is perception. So a lot of people would find ways to make fun of me and laugh at my expense because I was having a very hard time finding a job after college because one, I have cerebral palsy and recruiters would be like, no, we're not going to hire you because you can't type or because had 50 seizures a day and nobody would want to hire somebody who has 50 seizures a day and a lot of people would laugh at, at my expense because of that or would laugh at me because I don't know why but these are like these were like 35 year olds and that I thought were my friends so my ways of coping was to slowly just finding my own voice and just say you know what I don't need this crap and that's a lot that was a hard thing for me to do as a person with epilepsy who doesn't understand situations as they are because again the brain works differently cp epilepsy and depression are all part are all brain damage and that's what people don't understand some people don't understand is that they're all brain damage so for me once i found like that strength that's when i really and really figured and then when i made more friends different then when I met different types of people and I made more friends, I figured the difference between people who actually give a shit and support me and then, and then the people who just are bullies. And I was going to say just quickly before we move on to Cynthia, uh, Stacey, we were supposed to have a guest on this episode. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with the delay, but um, you kind of have a little bit of a story about her as well that uh, you can let's share it before we move on. Yeah, I'm so sad that she couldn't be here. But my friend, Jen, I met her in 2011, so almost 10 years ago. But I heard of her the year, I think the year prior. She, I was friends with somebody that she went to high school with. And that mutual friend kept saying, oh, like, I have this friend, Jen. She has depression. And like... 
I felt that like she wanted me to find ways for me to not become not want to become friends with her. And the thing with me is I never told her that I know what depression is because my mom suffers from depression. Like I'm not I wasn't like the type I was never like the type of person. Hey, I'm Stacy. I have several policy and my mom suffers from from depression. Like, <laughs> yeah. <that's weird. laughs> so like the more that mutual friend of ours kept tell kept telling me that she suffers from depression, that Jen suffers from depression, the more I wanted to get to know her. And then I finally met Jen when our mutual friend had that birthday party. And then Jen comes up to me and she's like, hey, I'm Jen. I'm like, I want to know this girl. So uh, we got really closer and closer as time went on. And we I really understood each other as people, as as women, as individuals. And we were like, we were doing the, the craziest things in, um, in our 20s. And we went to college together. So we had some crazy moments <laughs> that we have, will not be talking about because they're not PG. <laughs> so the more we talked about depression and anxiety, we understood each other and we had like some very, uh, like she, we had some crazy moments together, but we ho- also had heartfelt moments where she's like, I really need help. And I was there for her, whether we talked about depression or not, but I was there for her. And if, when I had depression, we, we, talk back and forth. However, we kind of separated. We had a little breakup after I got into a car accident because she was going through her shit. I was going through mine and we just couldn't be in each other's lives. Like we just, we needed to help ourselves first before we could help each other. And then four years later, at the end of last year, I saw her come up on my people you may know list. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll add her. I'll, I'll take a chance. I'll add her. And she added me back. And then we started talking to each other. And I asked her, like, why did we stop talking? And she's like, I really have no fucking idea. Like, I really have no fucking idea. But let's get together and see where it goes. And a lot of people in my life that I was friends with at the time who knew Jen told me not to be friends with her like you know did everything they could to not to have me not meet with her and like you know what I do whatever the fuck I want so I met her and it was like literally like no time passed and now we're just just as close and I'm so happy like that's the best thing that ever happened to me last year so I'm happy and I think I think the most important thing is too is finding people that also are dealing with mental health issues at the same time you don't want to bring each other down so you have to be careful about that i think it really depends i think it really depends who the person is what like in my situation anyways with her it worked out but with some people who are but with some other people that i try to be friends with who also suffer from depression it didn't work out so it it really depends. It depends on the give and take in the relationship, really. But it was interesting because I didn't meet anyone who had any anxiety disorder until I was 19 years old. And finally, I was in a summer class in first year university. And I met this girl who, unfortunately, we're not friends anymore. But at the time, she told me, oh, I have really bad anxiety attacks. And I just like, somebody else has anxiety attacks? Oh, my God, someone other than my mom? Like, this is awesome. There's somebody who's only a couple years older than me, and she's going through the same thing. And now I realized that I'd say 90% of my friends, probably actually 95% of my friends have, have dealt with mental health issues at one point or another in their life. As a matter of fact, I think the one person who hasn't is my husband. And I think everybody else I know has at least had something. Now, uh, moving along to Cynthia, 
and I see your on my screen is your little red, uh, uh, sorry, a little circle with a C in it, and I see it flashing. It's like, oh, there's Cynthia. Um, hi. <laughs> hi. So, what did you find kind of growing up in school? I know you said that you were kind of a little bit different than everybody else, but how did you feel yourself? Um, well, I just in in I had a lot of friends in elementary school, um, and things were quite normal until uh, I spent a year in Bermuda, and uh, that year in Bermuda really impacted me. And I think I became scared and nervous about how to approach other people and become friends with them. Because I I was completely made fun of for liking certain shows on TV. Like 90210 was like the biggest craze then. And um, I love that. I'm sorry. I met Jason Priestley. So I just have to have my little oh, there. Yes, I met Jason Priestley two years ago. Well, two years ago this week, I met him. Yes. Anyway, um, they kind of made fun of me for liking that. And I, I really missed home. So I think I overdid the talking about Toronto. And um, they basically no, wanted me to shut me up. <laughs> I, I ended up hanging out with um, two other um, expat girls uh, who are also from Canada. And uh, that was good. But then they moved, they said they were moving back. And I was lucky enough to um, uh, come back. I It was really hard on my dad because he had to go back and forth between his job and home. And since then, I and I think that whole year really impacted me and how I would approach people. And I just had a very hard time approaching people and trusting people in school. I think that's probably something that, um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're what you have, or if you have a disability, or not that is a tough thing I know lots of people who didn't have anything going on in their lives and they've had times like that so you add in mm -hmm. health issues and it makes it even even harder yeah. what have you found what have you found as an adult it's still difficult for me to approach people yeah outside of um like the online world which I, is funny yeah because that's how I met you so yeah it's and it's it, it's so I can't say I have a lot of friends um I met my husband online I don't know if I would have been able to find somebody to have a relationship with like I the quote-unquote normal way unless somebody introduced me to somebody to a guy like it's it, it's difficult it's it it, that that year I, I I don't know if you would really call it PTSD but but it can happen yeah. I mean and, and people I don't think realize how suddenly taking a, a child or a teenager out of their environment can really shift everything in your life but it it can have a profound impact um, mm -hmm. like the funny thing is how we met, of course, is we met online and, um, we actually met through, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was a mutual contact of ours that said to me, I was having coffee with her and she said to me, oh, you should follow Cynthia's Instagram because she's, uh, having a baby by surrogate. And at the same, at that time, I was actually going through that process, which didn't end up working out for me. But that's how we connected. And I thought it was so awesome to meet someone who was going through the same thing that I was about to go through. And because I felt alone and I felt my mental health was slipping because I knew nobody who was having a baby that way. So that's yeah. funny because my other condition, um, neurofibromatosis, well, I when they first really suspected that I had it, that it was a genetic condition or it is a genetic condition, I, I was seeing a doctor um, somewhere and he he told me directly don't have children I was 15 ish at that time and I basically bawled in front of him and the way it was probably the way he said it and told me um, without like 
you have to remember this was in the mid nineties. IVF wasn't as advanced. No. So it wasn't kind of like, you'll have to be very careful and really plan your, your route to parenthood. If you decide to have kids, like he, that's the way he should have said that, but you have to remember when it was. Yeah. He, he didn't even I say, think... why, don't you why don't you consider adoption? Like he didn't even, it didn't even occur to him. Like, I don't know why he just said that. Maybe he was just rude. If you didn't think about it. Yeah. And I think uh, we are going to actually talk about, we're going to have an episode coming up in a couple months about uh, reproduction and how that impacts you if you have an invisible disability or any type of physical disability and kind of the stigma around that so we're definitely going to get into that in another episode and I'm super excited for that one but uh Sam I see your your light is flashing I think you wanted to say something or your my little, light is my, flashing my, no your little like like icon is showing up maybe that means you want to say something I don't know I'm new to this I kind of know. technology my phone is just like has a mind of its own and it's deciding for me I don't know I guess I can't think of anything in my experience um it's really people don't understand what mental health is like I have I recently had this like I recently just had a very bad day and my friend who does not have a mental health and um, any mental health issues but uh, she said to me well you have to look at the positives like you got you survived a car accident you could have been dead you survived like so much in your life and you're still here and you're doing so much with with your business and blah 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 like why are you in a bad mood but for people who don't understand what what depression is it's not just a bad yeah, no that's a big that is a that's a in my experience i find it's just that people it comes from two places people like yeah don't understand what depression is and two it's like the world has this idea that being sad is not okay and that's kind of the problem and i think why depression is so common is that no one it's never you're never allowed to be sad you're, yeah crying is not okay being angry is not okay and those and, are totally normal feelings and it's worth you for men them, you're lucky your body will push those feelings out later somehow against your will if you don't take the time to feel them i think it's also a thing um and i think we brought this up in a previous episode about the fact that a lot of generations who are older than us, so baby boomers or the, what do they call the greatest generation, they grew up in times that were tougher. They were, or, you know, during the war, post-war, the depression. In, those, in their lives, it was like they didn't have time to be depressed because they had to put food on the table. They had to eke out a living wherever they could. Some of them were sleeping on the floor. Um, so, you know, they didn't have the things and they didn't really have time to think about that. But now with the way things are moving technologically speaking and the fact that our brains are constantly adjusting to technological change, um, I've seen pretty much everybody I know who's a millennial is very much, uh, you know, they're very much familiar with the fact that our brains are kind of overloaded right now. That, yes, it has made our lives easier in so many ways, technology. You've got to thank technology for, especially right now, with our ability to speak to everybody by video chat, and we wouldn't be able to do this podcast if it wasn't for that right now. But I think it's constantly our brains are being rewired. As a result of that, yes, we we have, we get stuff done faster. Again, this is like, a, you know, a fully developed country like Canada. I'm not talking about people who are currently living in war situations. It's totally different. Uh, but then again, you'll see what those with people who are coming to Canada from let's say Syria or Afghanistan and their nations have been at war for years and they might be okay when they arrive but once they're finally comfortable and they're settled and they know that there's nothing that they're okay now you might hear about stories where they're suddenly realizing oh you know what I'm suffering from depression I'm suffering from anxiety 
Now I can actually, I have the time to think about what happened to me. This is not a personal thing. But I then don't it's know. also the kids who are yeah. going to school here and they're exposed to um, a lot of different cultures. So they're especially if they're in Toronto and they see what this is, what we call normal or typical or standard. And they want to repeat that at home and their parents are telling them, well, we don't do that because we're X, Y, Z. I mean, it's where it's, it, you see that in movies, like, you know, my big five Greek wedding and things like that. There's like expectations for um, what a quote unquote good X, Y, Z boy or girl is supposed to do or be or how they're supposed to and, be. And then there are people who also underestimate the word depression. Like I had a friend whose uh, fiance broke off the, her, her their engagement and she was sad, obviously, for like they were together for five years and he just, in her perspective, he suddenly broke off the engagement. And she said to me, I am so depressed. And I'm like, I usually just like when I try to be supportive, I usually try to be the listener and, you know, let people vent. But at that moment, I just blew up. Like, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. You're sad. Yes, but you're not depressed. Well, I'm people sorry. don't. Yeah, but that's just that the, the, most people don't know the difference because it's it is mixed up and that's a popular culture thing. I think it's going to take a while but before anybody notices the difference between the two terms because even like something like that, if that happened to me, I would also say I am so depressed. So I wouldn't, and, and I've said it, if I read my old diaries and I've gone through my old diaries a million times and yelled at my former self and gone, how can you be so stupid? But I've also seen like, I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. And I don't necessarily know if I was living with depression, but it felt like I was. So yeah. I think sometimes there can be maybe a fine line between the two, uh, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not the expert. I'm just talking about my experience, I'm asking you guys about your experience. And, yeah. and I think it's really important too, is that as mental health is becoming more of a conversation and becoming more of a common topic we're hearing about it all, all a lot these days with COVID people are recognizing hey you know like there's been all of us a bunch of us here who've kind of dealt with this our whole lives and you know and wow we're finally talking about it in popular culture and in the media and like what you know where have you been the last 35 40 years you know I think there's a stigma not to talk about like just people don't talk about it and there's a stigma about uh that men don't suffer from mental illness and they're afraid to talk about it because men are supposed to be the, even though we live in 2020 now men there's still that that reference that from the 1950s where men are supposed to be the providers men are supposed to be strong men are supposed to men aren't supposed to have feelings and so on and so forth so I personally know men who suffer from mental health and they are I know there are men who suffer from mental health and don't talk about it because yeah. there's it's, and I think that's for where, them it's embarrassing and I think that's where toxic masculinity comes from because these guys can't talk about it so they eventually it builds and builds and builds and they lash they lash out yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I'm not saying that women don't do it too. Like I'm definitely guilty, guilty of marrying well, Me too. I've lashed out way too many times. But I think with men, because they're so, it's society promotes them to be impulsive, to be, be a man, have all these, you know, feelings deep, deep down. But also like if they do lash out or do get aggressive, that's, that's just them. Like it's, it's excused. So it's almost yeah. like they're allowed to, not only bury it, but they're allowed to get away with, like, there's no consequences for them lashing out and being yeah. angry or violent or whatever it is. However, it manifests and then rises up. That's never talked about either. Yeah. And I know, I mean, this, yeah, you're right. It's not like women don't lash out. I've been guilty of lashing out a number of times, especially when I was young. I would lash out at my parents. I would kick my parents when I was younger. 
I was because I would be kicking and screaming because that was like I felt like I had to defend myself and it was mostly stuff like Jackie go to your room and then I start kicking and screaming because I didn't want to go to my room but uh, you're right it's something that is not thought about with women and speaking of men I have a very very good friend of mine who is my age um, and uh, he has the same heart condition I do and he's been suffering from depression for four years and it's been taking a huge toll on his life it's hard too because you can keep looking at treatments you can keep and and I, I definitely support you know medication if you need medication you know you would take medication for your heart if you had to take it for your heart so take it for your head as well but the fact is is that sometimes it's very hard to find a good combination with medication and yeah. I know people who have had trouble with medications for years they haven't found the right balance I have been avoiding it because a lot of medications with my heart condition can have really bad side effects and I also don't want to deal with nausea or headaches or anything like that. And so I have been trying to get by without taking meds, which I know is terrible. Because maybe if I had taken meds, I would have been a lot it's not, you know, you, you know, it's not terrible. It's just what you got to find what works for you. Meds mm -hmm. don't work for you. And that is absolutely fine. Yeah, it's, I had not, a, it's not terrible. Oh, I had a bad reaction many years ago to uh, Ciprolex. Uh, I took one dose and my heart slowed down. I felt like I was dying. I don't know if it was something that it, it kind of contraindicated my heart condition or what happened. But after that, I've been afraid to take medication because that is something you need to consider if you have any type of disability um, and your, your ongoing conditions and you have a mental health condition. Well, can you take something that works for you? The other thing, and I know like Cynthia, this is something that you've done to manage yours, is uh, meditation and exercise. It, it helps mm. a lot of people. You know, in my case, that's, sorry, Cynthia, I try to to use working out as a way to manage my depression. And then I find that after I had my tonic-clonic seizure recently, I tried working out again because, again, my depression got worse and everything. And then as soon, five minutes into working out, a few days after my my seizure, I started I started feeling like I had a seizure. So sometimes, like, I, sometimes I feel that, like, when I work on my epilepsy, my depression gets worse. And when I work on my depression, my epilepsy gets worse. Yeah, I think so, that happens. Everyone has a different um, reaction post seizure. Um, I, I mean, like I said, like a lot. The like the last one I had was when um, when my son was shortly after my son was born, and I missed like a probably a, like a missed medication. But I, I was able to rebound pretty much 24 hours later or less it was it, it it's just I I felt fine like I was able to work out and you use like you have been through this whole pandemic you've still continued working out even though I know you can't get to your gym anymore but you've no. still been you've been keeping your routine you've been working out you've been meditating I assume yes I have yeah, YouTube, that... YouTube is a big help thank you oh, yes, yes oh I love YouTube I love YouTube and, 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 and this month subscriptions month to month subscriptions and free usage extended free usage the trials are wonderful. Yeah, things. I find for me, um, my mental health definitely exercise is now sometimes I can't do it because my lungs are having a bad day and I can't breathe. But uh, exercise is usually the best thing for my mental health. Medication doesn't necessarily work unless it's Ativan and uh, psychiatrists and they don't really want people using drugs like Ativan anymore because those are they can lead to addiction issues. So we try to avoid that. But if I'm really, really bad, I take an Ativan. I manage it sometimes with Gravol, which is for nausea, but it also makes you sleepy. So I find I find when I'm really, really sleepy, my anxiety just melts away. So sometimes I just like being sleepy. But definitely the thing that helps me the most is exercise and listening to my my music on my 10-year-old iPod, which I really appreciate it has not broken down yet. But I find that that is a big help for my mental health. I don't like listening to sad songs. I don't listen to ballads. I don't listen to classical music. 
I listen to uplifting music all the time. And that can take my day from like zero to a hundred in no time at all. I feeling better. I feel like one thing I really liked doing is like finding a podcast, but something educational. Like I find my brain needs to be stimulated because it's just running 24 seven. Like I need to, I need to be learning about like different issues and different like opinions on news stories. And I like challenging my own opinions and going back and evaluating like how I used to think about things, but in like a more positive way and a healthy way, as opposed to a, like a self deprecating or negative, like instead of penalizing myself for a point I used to have, I think like, Oh, I know better now. I can talk about this issue in like a, a beneficial way for me and maybe for other people and educate people properly. So you you mean not I'm like me who not like me who goes and attacks my old diaries and goes, "You were so stupid. What was wrong with you?" I, I know that's terrible, and, and don't do that. I'm telling our audience, don't do that. It's really bad. Don't, don't do be it. like that all the time. Or like, even if even um like with meditation, I love meditating, and I know for a lot of people they find it very challenging because when their mind drifts away, they're like, "Oh God, like why can't I just do it?" But part of meditating is not beating yourself up when you break that meditation. It's just about noticing that you did it and starting over again. Like it's not, you can't dwell on it. That's that's a negative that you just shouldn't feed into. And I think what we're going to do now is because we're about an hour, I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, what I do want to put the importance out is if, if you need help and you're feeling lost and you're feeling hopeless, we strongly encourage you to seek help. It is so important to get help. I have been seeing psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors for 25 years. Please do it for yourself. It will help. It's so important to speak to someone, especially now. Friends. Even friends, anybody. Just open up, talk to someone. Sometimes you never know. Uh, yeah, some of us have had really bad experiences with other people, but you never know who might be the next person to give you like a boost that you need. Sometimes people that you wouldn't expect are so understanding. I think the world we live in right now, we're finding it a little bit more. I strongly encourage people to use any mental health supports that are available to them for free. I know sometimes that price can be a barrier. If that's something that you're worried about, we invite you to reach out to us. You can talk to any one of us. We're not certified counselors, no. but we will be. We will be happy to speak to you if you're feeling if you have a bad day and you just want somebody to talk to. Any four of us, you can hit us up, talk to us, tell us what's going on. We'll Ser be more than happy. And seriously, ignore and if, if people in your family or if your culture says it's going to quote unquote ruin the family line, it's going to mess and the ancestors are going to get angry or the rest of your your any children you have um, will also have issues. Well, that is can be genetic, yes, but just. Ignore Ignore that. Still go seek help. If your kids eventually need help, they can go seek help. Don't worry about what the, what people think. Yeah. Don't worry. Basically, exactly. Basically ignore negative energy. Any negative <laughs> ignore, energy, yeah. ignore. Be kind to yourself. That's the other thing too, is be kind to yourself. This is not an easy time right now. This doesn't mean that you need to go uh, learn a new language. And that's the other thing. It doesn't mean that you need to run a marathon on your treadmill. It doesn't mean any of that. Like we're going through unprecedented times. Be nice to yourself. You know, give yourself that ice cream. If you really want ice cream, go for ice cream. Don't feel guilty about it. If it cheers you up, it makes your mood better. I say go for it. So it's just these little things. Just try to take and try to, another thing that really helps, and I think it helps for all of us, is just breathe. Sometimes just breathing. Connect to the floor. Connect to what's around you in your room. Be more grounded in the environment that you're in, and that will help. And I find that something that really, really helps me, or count, or just say, you know what? Today sucks. It sucks. Maybe tomorrow will be better. And that was like- Your pet if you have a pet. Also, Sorry? it's day by day. I I got this entire time is don't let your mind think like, oh my God, we're going to be stuck here forever. Like 
I'm never going to get a job. I'm never going to get to go out again. And like, instead of focusing on long-term, just like take it by like day by day, focus yeah. on this is what I'm doing today and tomorrow and just do it like that. Don't think about like next month, next week, next year, just take it very slow. Yeah. And try to find things to look forward to as well. For me, one of those things has been, one of those things for me has been my favorite takeout place. Go to your favorite takeout place, support your local business. And even once this is all over, even once life goes back to normal, just try to find little things every day that you don't have to write a diary and say that you're grateful for them. Just try to find something that's going to make you smile, even if it's just for five seconds. And if you can't, you can't. Don't be too hard on yourself. So I thank you all for your amazing insights and thoughts. Again, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we're at what's the difference podcast at gmail.com. You can reach us on Instagram at what's the difference podcast, Facebook at what's the difference podcast. And you can always reach out to us on any of our personal accounts to say hi. We'll be doing some more Instagram live videos over the next couple of weeks. Um, and we strongly invite you to participate uh, as well. Where you do have our next episode will be on employment. And after that, we're going to be talking about mobility. And then after that, reproduction. So we've got a whole bunch of great episodes lined up. But thanks, everybody, for participating today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we will see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe. Click to subscribe. I have to be like a YouTuber now, right? <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.